Welcome to Audiobook Test Drive. In today's episode, we are featuring an excerpt from The Master's Little Jewel, written by R. Greco. What started as spontaneous combustion kink is slowly turning into something more substantive for Kay and John after he returns to the East Coast. Their nightly phone calls are no longer focused on DS role-playing. Instead, they dwell on their feelings for one another and skirt around a possible future together. Curiously, embracing her sexual submissiveness with John has revitalized her dom side with local play partners, which provides conversation fodder as she recounts the details of her rendezvous. And now for your listening pleasure, an excerpt from The Master's Little Jewel. Chapter 1 I turned my ass to the bathroom sink, took a step away from it, got up on tiptoes, looked over my shoulder. I could clearly see the little red heart displayed at the bottom right edge of my right cheek. Instantly wet looking at it, as I had been taking down my pants here in Jack's bathroom for only the purpose of looking at it, I smiled at my reflection, inched my way back to his cool tile sink edge, spread my thighs as wide as they would go with my pants and panties hammocked mid-thigh, and rolled my hips just enough to get some pressure on my gloppy lips. Straining to as much look over my shoulder and back up masturbate against Jack's sink edge, I actually fantasized waddling out of his bathroom just then to show my best friend the mark John had left on me, the mark that I had so willingly agreed on, the mark that made me... Shit, I began to come there so shuddering quick that I all but sat back on the sink as I felt juice dribble down my inner thighs. Wiping myself as quick as I had come, I wiggled back up into my panties and jeans, turned to wash my hands, and gave my face the once-over while smiling to my now-blushing cheeks. John and I had made the most of his last weekend with me, from Friday night when we literally collapsed into sleep until he got into a cab at my front curb 11 a.m. Monday morning. We stayed in to hang out, fuck, eat, watch TV, and fuck some more. Along the way, he gave me a really good over-the-knee spanking Saturday afternoon. I gagged with his raging hard cock while fingering myself right after. Then we fucked into a deep sleep after dinner. Sunday morning, Lisa and Bill came over for breakfast. Then John and I watched football until five, when he turned to me with the wildest look in his eyes, and I had seen plenty of wild looks in his eyes, and said, We need something to commemorate this trip. I was a little taken aback, truth be told. Beyond all the usual juicy sex we had had, and John's more sure adept handling of me, and God how I ached for him to handle me like the little girl, pet, toy he always claimed I was, we had managed a great two days in San Fran where I had domed him for the first time and had quite the head-spinning rumination over belting his ass there. Then getting back to my house, and me dressing as usual in my own version of Betty Page to tease him, then all this good sex we had had during the weekend. He thought we needed to commemorate somehow more? We need to get you a tat, he added, and I nearly melted on the couch next to him. Henna, of course. I already had a tat on my right forearm, and the obligatory one on my ankle I now regretted. I didn't fear getting inked by any stretch of the imagination, and John knew full well I had an ex who owned a shop in town, 
that was pretty much open 24-7, or at least would be for me. The idea that the tat would be only henna, but drawn by a real tattooist, fit in well with what John and I were about, and I wasn't really surprised at this particular way of John wanting to mark me. Neither John nor I needed modifications, piercings, tattoos, collars, to hint at or reveal the submission I felt when with him, the control he had over me, or the times, few though they had been in our relationship, when the roles were reversed. Before my marriage, having stepped through the wild and woolly backgrounds of what most people view as non-vanilla sex, or at least alternative with all the lesbianism and kink I got into, I had witnessed plenty of people playing with who they were to someone else, or who they were faux-forcing their willing partner to be. While cock cages and collars were enticing, while I did like the idea of some marking that would indicate John owned me in some way, neither he nor I was about anything permanent, save what we could build in our hearts and heads for one another. I saw girlfriends scrambling all the time to keep watch on their men, spouses or just boyfriends, as I caught plenty of men wanting to own their women. Thank God when Paul and I were married, jealousy had never existed between us. He just knew me well enough to know that if I was going to make a commitment to him, one that saw us eventually married, I wasn't going to stray. I knew this about him as well. And while we didn't ever really share any true kink between us, certainly nothing on the order of me using a little girl voice when coming for him, or yearning for him to spank me, my ex-hubby and I had quite a healthy sex life. I'm not so naive to think that marrieds enjoying one another in bed don't take to cheating. It's just that Paul and I discussed our fantasies plenty, regaling one another with how hot we had become during our day spying the cute new UPS guy, or how the dentist's receptionist's boobs were truly a wonder to behold. As far as what John got up to on the East Coast without me, and what I did here, sans him, it all seemed to fuel our talks and times, as of yet no jealousy had intruded into us either. Whether the man and I could keep a relationship together, 24-7, if indeed, if, when, we were together all the time, John and Callie with me, me there in Jersey with him, we'd come to make a real monogamous commitment, or would even gestate some jealousy. I knew at least we'd not have consummated our attraction and what might grow up and become love by wearing one another collar or having to endure a branding. John coaxing me out of the house to go get a little red heart on my ass of all places kept me wet all through the process of dropping my pants and peeling my panties to the side for David, an artist I knew pretty well would keep my secret, especially from his boss, my ex and from what I had just managed in Jack's tight bathroom, my new mark was as exciting to me now as it had been ten days ago. The thing with this whole dom-sub thing, and something John well knew and didn't truck in, thank God, at least for my sensibilities, was that I didn't live, nor did I want to live, the lifestyle, or any lifestyle for that matter other than life itself, 24-7. That's really why a permanent tat would not have fit us. It was perfectly fine for couples who did, and I knew plenty of them. But even back before my marriage, when I was playing the dom to girls on a regular basis, I only wanted to do so in the confines of sexual play, 
Never in real life where I'd demand someone to wear a collar for me or sit at my heels at parties. That approach to the kink just didn't do it for me. As much as skirting role-play was something I did with trepidation, and only with the hint of reality to it, like John calling me his toy, pet, little girl, seemed to. That I was wearing his mark, but a subtle little red henna tat at that, spoke to a smoking-hot control the man had over me, but not one readily apparent, nor something we exercised all the time. And when it wore off, which David had promised it would do in a month, my need to submit would still be in my head and heart, as it always had been. Still, it had taken me all my strength not to show Jack, not to drop my pants the second I walked in his condo, not to turn around and have him inspect my bubble butt. So we do a mother's for the grease or John's for the bread? Jack asked, popping me from my musings. I stopped up short regarding the smiling black guy looking up at me from his small butcher block kitchen table. I had forgotten how hungry I was, and now with the question of where to eat put to me, I suddenly felt that hunger rise again. Jesus, some choice. Neither is going to sit well. Well, duh, Jack said and shot up out of his seat. That's kind of the point. You and I haven't been on a good junk food run in a dog's age. I followed the high, round backside of the man in front of me as he reached for his jacket. My buddy was right. It had indeed been a bit since I played one of the guys and had gone out to knock a few beers back or just been in Jack's company. I missed him dearly. I truly did. But the days got away from me, from all of us, I knew. With John taking up six days of my time nearly two weeks ago, I was just now coming back to myself and my schedule. It might be hard for some people to travel and get back to their life, more or less needing a vacation from their vacation. But for me, it is equally as hard when someone I care for breezes through my life, sets my emotions, not to mention my loins, on fire, and then leaves. John's trip out here, not his first to Cali, but certainly his first to my home, had truly been a whirlwind and cemented in my mind what a complete and utter mess I was around the guy from aching so much for him to touch me, to fantasizing at every step that we were a couple, to latching onto his cock and not letting go with my mouth, pussy, and hands, to even taking it upon myself to be the aggressor and wanton tease. I had been all a twitter for the near week he was here, and now only coming down from him being so. I so needed this night with Jack. I just hoped wherever he was leading me right then, from down his apartment's hallway, that I could keep from running into the bathroom and checking my ass too often. We hope you enjoyed listening to this excerpt from The Master's Little Jewel. If you would like to hear the entire audiobook, it can be purchased at Amazon.com, Audible.com, and iTunes.com.